0: The second lesson is from the Gospel according to John. Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her,
1: Give me a drink.
0: His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him,
2: How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria?
0: Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans.
1: If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water.
2: Sir, you have no bucket. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it?
1: Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life.
2: Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water.
1: Go, call your husband and come back.
2: I have no husband.
1: You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true.
2: Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem.
1: Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth.
2: I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us.
1: I am he,
0: the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left the water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people,
2: come. Come. And see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he?
0: They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them,
1: I have food to eat that you do not know about.
0: So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat.
1: My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then come the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor.
0: Many Samaritans from the city believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony,
2: he told me everything I have ever done.
0: So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. I want to thank our readers. Uh, I'm always grateful for the lectures. I want you all to know that Mary Tyndall did not harm herself preparing for this. We're glad she was willing to come and read. And we thank Danny, we thank Wendy for their time as well. I think it's good for all of us to, to see people like us reading the scriptures. A reminder that we are all encouraged to read scripture. It's also a reminder that worship is participatory. You're not an audience. God is the audience and we together are, are giving God worship. Today we tried something different. We'll do this for the next couple of weeks. The gospel lessons are, are just long in this, these readings these days. And, and I thought it would be helpful if we heard the dialogue, the voices sharing with one another. Dialogue, conversation. This is how we've been defining prayer, conversation with God. And we've just had a living example Now clearly conversation with Jesus would be easier was easier when he was in the flesh when he was in a body when he was speaking in human terms but we also know from the gospels that even when Jesus was in the flesh speaking in, in human ways he was not always understood Frequently especially in John's gospel Jesus spoke on a level that his conversation partner just didn't get It happened last week with Nicodemus. It happened today with the woman at the well. People tend to hear things literally. So Nicodemus wondered, how can you be born again if you've already been born? The Samaritan woman at the well wondered, how can you get this living water if you don't even have a container with which to get it? Jesus can be more poetic than literal sometimes. I don't think Jesus spoke poetically or with layered meaning in order to trip us up. I think he understood that life is more complex than sometimes we give it credit for. There's a tendency in religious circles to want everything to be cut and dried, black and white, in and out, good and bad. And Jesus just doesn't seem to be so simplistic. Take the Samaritan woman. It was custom that the Jewish male, particularly a rabbi, would not initiate a conversation with a woman he did not know. It was even more taboo for a Jewish man to talk to a Samaritan woman and then to possibly drink after her. He would risk ritual contamination as she was seen as unclean. It wasn't just how it would look. It was certainly that. But it was also, how could it be? How could it be that a man like Jesus would talk to a woman like her? How could it be that he would seek her help? I used to get startled when older, wiser, more experienced people would come to me and ask for their help. My help. Not help carrying something I was used to that but help with something in their life, some situation they were going through and and wanted whatever wisdom I might have for it to, to help think it through together. I'd be surprised that someone that I thought had had so much more life and was so much more experienced and wise than I would come and ask for me to think it through with them. I guess I was surprised they thought I had something that I could offer. But it certainly felt validating. It felt like I had something they saw in me. And it's often those conversations that have led to deeper friendship. Their openness to me helped me to open up to them. Looking back, I sometimes wonder if that's not what they were after the whole time anyway. My opening up. I have this group of friends that are a generation or half a generation older than I am, and they, they come around and help me with these projects at the house that I have no clue what I'm doing. And, and they'll come, and I'm so grateful for the, the time they put into it and the skills that they have that I don't have. But, but I'm also grateful for that time we share, the conversations we have that we would not have made time for otherwise while we're working on whatever that project is we're working on together. It, it's, it's how our friendships have been formed. Jesus was tired and he was thirsty. So he sought help. And he sought help from someone that that no one expected him to ever seek help from. And Jesus' openness to the Samaritan woman made her open to him. Since we're thinking about our prayer lives this Lent, I, I wonder, can you imagine... Jesus seeking out your help. Can you imagine someone like Jesus needing you? As a teenager, our youth leaders would challenge us. They'd say something like, if Jesus came to your door and rang the doorbell, would you let him in? Would you help him? And we knew enough to know that we probably wouldn't, unless he had on a name badge and some light emanating from him. So we would say clever things like, well, we would like to think we would, but we know that we've probably turned away people who were more like Jesus than us in other times. And, and yet it would be so great if we, would, if we were certain that it was him and he could just tell us directly what we need to do and how to do it. And then the youth leaders had us. And they'd say, why don't we turn to Matthew 25? that's where Jesus said, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And the disciples said, when, Lord, were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? And he said, whenever you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. And we'd say, oh, right. He does still speak directly to us sometimes. So there are ways that Jesus does speak directly to us in this day and age. And I think there are ways that he continues to ask us for our help. And I think it's in our helping him that we often build that relationship with Jesus. So we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus would come to us and ask us, even us, for our help. But then some of us are still surprised that Jesus would come to talk with us in the first place. Maybe we think that Jesus is just so different from us, as different as he was from the Samaritan woman at the well. And we can't imagine that Jesus would actually engage us. Who are we that he would talk to us? Who are we that that he'd know all about us? At some point, some interpreter of this passage decided that there must be something wrong with the woman at the well. That there must have been something in her background that was broken and she made bad decisions. And So she's been cast in a light that the fact that she's had five husbands and is now with another man. It must have been some problem she caused. Maybe. And if so, how gracious of Jesus to go and approach her and treat her that well. But, but maybe not. Given the day, it's far more likely that she would have been left by those men, either through death or them divorcing her, that she would have been abandoned, that she would have been in a situation where she was desperate for a man, any man, to provide for her. Whichever it was, whether the Samaritan woman was the source of the trouble or had trouble thrown onto her, Jesus knew. And he cared about her and her troubles. And he reached out to her in her troubles. And through that, a relationship was born. It's a relationship that grows. Think about the development. Even in this short reading from John, the development of the relationship. At first, they are enemies with vast differences. And then Jesus goes and he asks her for help. And that leads to a conversation in which she asks him for help. Can you give me this living water so I won't have to go and draw water again? And, and it's obvious that she's getting part of it, but not all of it. That, that there's still some confusion about who he is. It's still sinking in. And, and that sounds familiar, right? That we're still on this journey of trying to figure out who he is and how he is and let it, that sink in. They keep talking and it becomes clear that he knows about her life. And and because of what has already transpired, or maybe because she's desperate for someone to know her and to care about her and to to enter into her life situation, she's okay that he knows about her life. And in fact, that excites her as part of what she goes and shares with her neighbors in the village. At this point, she's drawn to it and and she thinks he's a prophet. And and so we sense that her understanding is growing, but it's, it's yet to be complete. There's enough there that she's comfortable discussing theology. She says your people say that you have to be in Jerusalem to worship God, but but our people have worshiped on this mountain. She's been a little more honest maybe than we might be a little more confrontational. You should know that that she's right. The Samaritans had worshipped on this mountain for generations until 150 years before this conversation, when a Jewish leader went up there and tore down their place of worship. Sacrilege to her people. There was a rift, a, a great rift between the Jews and the Samaritans, and she's honest enough to speak to it. Maybe she's trying to pick a fight, or maybe she's trying to start the road to reconciliation. Reconciliation usually begins with someone being bold enough to say, This is where the break has happened. This is where the hurt is felt. I need to say it. It's true in our relationships with one another, it's also true in our relationship with God. Jesus' reply is not. Religious rivalry. Instead, he says, a time will come when you'll worship God in spirit and truth, when you don't have to go to a mountain in Samaria or a temple mount in Jerusalem. A time is going to come when worship is going to be about God. Wherever you are, wherever I am, the time is here. And it's at that point when she is open up enough to whisper what they have in common. I know that the Messiah is coming. You say it. I believe it. I know he'll come and proclaim all things to us. When the Messiah comes, he will speak with us, he will converse with us, he will pray. With us. And now, having been moved from enemies to helping each other, from speaking on different levels to starting to connect over theology, from being strangers to friends, Jesus lays it out there. I am the one, He who is speaking with you. I'm the Messiah. And I'm talking to you. The rest of the story is great. The woman rushes home, tells her village all about this man. she's met. He can't be the Messiah, can he? They invite him in for two days. He's in that village with them. And, it, and the gospel says, through his words, they came to believe so that they came to a point where it wasn't just her witness, but it was their own experience. It helped them to trust that He is the Savior of the world. For God so loved the world that He didn't walk around Samaria. He walked through it. Since we've given or giving added attention to prayer this Lenten season, I want to spend just a couple more minutes on how this may reflect in our prayer lives. The story of the woman at the well, although it takes up many verses, is really compressed when you think about what changed in that amount of verses in her life. And for some people, that's the way it works. That in a short period of time, they get to know Jesus and they, they start to understand Jesus and they want to talk with Jesus and they follow Jesus. But for a lot of us, it takes a lot longer than that. It's a lot longer journey, a lifetime of of journey that ebbs and flows, feel closer and Further apart. There might be a day in that journey where we say, How, God, how is it that you could ask someone like me to help someone like you? We might ask that for years. We might wonder, what is this living water you're talking about? That sounds so mysterious. I need the basics right now. What are are the basics? I think most of us go through periods where we say, okay, God, you want to talk? Let's talk. I hear this said about you and that said about you and everyone who says it seems to think they have... Knowledge that no one else has, and there seem to be these people who say they love you, and yet they hate these people, and then those they hate hate them back. And is this how it's supposed to be? There's so much that's, that's unfair and unjust in this world, God. What are you doing about it? You want to talk? Let's talk. At other times we'll be astonished. You know me. Seven billion people in this world of yours. And you know me and my pains and my struggles and my joys and my celebrations. And you have something you want me to do for you. Me. So you so love. The world, God. That you love even this place and these people. And you so love the world that you love that place and those kind of people. That's how your love is. There's a lot we can discuss with God. A whole lifetime's worth of talking to be done. And I would dare say that God invites us to that. That God would hope we'd give our life
2: to talking and listening with Him.